I try and pride myself on my writing with respect yeah. to the medical and the what happens in an ambulance is all yeah. very factual. It's it's what yeah. happens. Um, but then I then my characters end up on a plane and I haven't a bloody clue about flying <laughs> or anything like that. And I'm Googling lots and lots of stuff <laughs> to do it. But then I sort of like pitched that at, at, to a pilot and he came back and go, this can't happen, this can't happen, this can't happen. <laughs> I was like, oh, um, so I, I did do a lot of changes that he suggested, yeah. but then I, I actually said, do you realize about the security issue with ambulances accessing planes? And he went, yep. <laughs> it's like, I've often thought that that's a real risk because <laughs> yeah. we, don't, we, we don't get checked. This podcast is brought to you by Becca Castles of the Rising Dawn series. Do you like violence? Do you like smut? Are you tired of the stereotypical novels of werewolf romance out there and want something a little bit different? Then pick up Sparked Revolution, book one in the Rising Dawn series by Rebecca Cassis. Available on Amazon, in Kindle and paperback. You too can become a sponsor of Stories to True and the Fiction by heading on over to buymeacoffee.com slash sttatf or follow the link in the show notes. Hello, guys, and welcome to this episode of Story Chat. Uh, Ryan is sadly not with us today, but we're going to plug on without him. Uh, I'm going to take all these favorite icebreaker questions. Uh, but um, on today's episode, we have Harry Colfer. How are you going, mate? Good, thanks. Very good, and thanks for having me along. Pleasure. <laughs> Pleasure. Yes, I got Harry on because I met him when I was on his podcast, uh, the genre fiction podcast, who, uh, you know, I was on recently um, with Jack Roney. Um, do you just want to tell us a little bit about that? Like, um, how, how did that podcast come about? Well, basically, um, Jack started doing these sort of um, uh, workshops where he would talk to people um, about how to get crime and how to get police sort of uh, interventions correct in in their in their writing. And so he was doing those workshops and I sort of said, well, I do a, I've been doing in the past um, a talk about exactly how similar sort of thing, but with respect to paramedics and how to get emergency uh, scenes correct and, you know, things that people get wrong and all that sort of stuff, um, mainly due to the fact that they copy things on TV and those <laughs> things on TV are, uh, dreadful and one, yeah. one of the ones i i, I love is the uh the 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 movie flatliners um because it is so wrong on so many levels because you can't <laughs> you can't shock well you can shock a flatline but it does nothing um yeah. the whole idea of a defibrillator is it defibrillates and that's yeah. not a flatline and uh it was so bad they made another version of the movie um, but anyway, I had a chat with him about um, potentially joining him on his workshops. And he was sort of saying, well, I hasn't got enough time to do his stuff, let alone bring somebody else in for a two hour workshop. And then we just sort of like got talking about potentially doing a, um, some other sort of um, a, another way of doing it. And then came up with this idea, well, we could do a podcast. And then we brought in um, Bryn, who's um, uh, an army medic. And so initially we had the three of us talking, um, mainly chewing the fat about what books got wrong or what um, writers got wrong mm -hmm. in in either uh, police, ambulance or um, uh, military sort of aspects. And so that's where it all sort of uh, kicked off. Mm -hmm. It was mainly just uh, three guys talking crap. 
Um, yes. uh, and yeah, and, and on, on a few occasions we did it with red wine, and yeah. that went really bad. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I feel like I've jumped the gun a little bit because a lot of people that uh, listen to this podcast may not know who you are. I have no clue. Yeah, I'd say a lot of so, people have no clue who I am. <laughs> one of my favorite questions is, "Who is Harry Colfer?" <laughs> um, Harry Colfer's my pseudonym. So um, I'm a, a critical care paramedic working out of um, Brisbane. And um, I came up with the idea of writing books, which uh, we might get to later. Um, but basically, uh, I, I um, sort of faltered on the whole uh, Mark Twain's advice of write what you know, and um, literally wrote a, uh, my first book about a um, paramedic working in Brisbane who was pissed off with his fictional manage- management. <laughs> and, um, and he believed that a serial killer was bumping off the regular patients. And so I've started writing books all around this one character in working in Brisbane, who's a paramedic. And I'm now up to my, well, I'm working on the fourth one in the novel series. And I've also written 32 short stories as a compendium of uh, just sort of paramedic stories, this paramedic working in Brisbane. And uh, they're, they're much more, oh, well, they all heavily rely on dark humor. Um, so yes, I'm a paramedic who uh, writes books. Cool. In a nutshell. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. We are definitely going to dive into that uh, later, but as yep. our regulars know, we do icebreakers for fun. <laughs> I can see from your giant smile that you are ready and raring to go. <laughs> right. So if you could get rid of one thing in the world, what would it be? Well, it, I did have a, a long think about this because obviously, you know, you, you could go uh, hunger and yeah. uh, war and stuff like that. And that's boring. Um, so what I came up with was uh, the super rich. I just want to get rid of the super rich and divvy up all the money that they have and everyone gets a share. And even then, they get a share as well. But we have a, yeah. a sort of a ceiling on on the amount of pe- money that somebody is able to have. Yeah. Uh, including their acquisitions and everything else, yeah. and there's a ceiling level. It would be very high, but yeah. at the end at the at the moment we have such a disparity with the super rich and having so much money. Yeah. And if that could all be knocked on the head, that'd be really nice. So that yeah. was that's. I mean, it's. I could have come up with something a little bit more um, amusing or <laughs> something a bit more sort of yeah. uh, left field. But yeah, I, mean, I think I think the way that humans are, we're always going to have wars unfortunately yeah. and um and so being able to get rid of the super rich would at least make us all a little bit happier i think mm-hmm. well apart from them <laughs> <laughs> well you, you, you never you never know you never know um they, they go because you, you know what they say about that about the rich like money money doesn't buy you happiness you know um yeah it might make them all happy you, you know I've, I'm, I'm thinking along those lines i mean just when people say that money doesn't buy you happiness um I just want to give it a go, you know. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm, yeah, I'm sure it yeah. won't work, you know. But I, I just want to have a go at at, yeah. at being rich and seeing whether yeah. whether it does make me happy. Because yeah. I'm pretty well, sure it would. Well, I think but, it's like two hundred million dollars on the lotto tonight. You know, apparently. You know. So. Yeah, that would be nice. Unfortunately, um, the the odds against it are, are higher than oh, the amount ridiculous. of money that you get. <laughs> yeah, there's this guy the guy at my work that is just he's oh I've got to get down and do my lotto. And he's been yeah. playing the same numbers for like. 20 years or something and I'm just like and and the thing is that I could never play the same numbers because of those instances where somebody forgets to pay whatever they've been playing the same numbers yeah. for 20 years and then their numbers come up and they haven't bought the ticket and that <laughs> that that would be me and I just couldn't cope with that that yeah. sort of 
oh my god no how can that yeah. have happened uh so yeah. yeah i mean every so often i'll buy a ticket just mainly because the missus tells me i should and yeah. uh lo and behold i waste about 10 bucks so <laughs> well <laughs> i think the few times that i have bought a ticket i've just won my money back you know oh so, well that's about uh, all i've ever yeah. won yeah. yeah, I mean so. that's better. That's like you went, yeah, you're in it, and here's some money back. Like you know, it's just yeah. like you haven't lost anything yet. Yeah, yeah, but, it's it's but. not a lot there. <laughs> All right, apart from winning the lotto, what's on your bucket list? <laughs> oh right, well okay, this is this is one that I actually, I mean, um, in we've just come to the decision today, so it's, this is hot off the press. Um, we're going to sell our house next year and um, just go traveling. Um, so. Um, we're actually going to set up a blog called the uh, Bucket Nomads and Ooh. just go traveling and uh, see what we can see. And yeah, um, with the idea of heavily uh, on yachting um, and sailing. So we'll initially sort of um, uh, hitchhike on, on, on yachts, <laughs> which is actually a thing. You, oh, awesome. you, you, offer, you offer your crewing services and people need more than you know somebody who's going across uh, a big ocean they'll they'll want more crew and so we can sort of jump on boats and see if we can do a circumnavigation basically by by doing that but also spend a lot of time on the land um so that's one thing but on that my bucket list item is that um there's an old thing about having a tattoo on your ankle when you go through the neptune ceremony so the Neptune ceremony is you have is sailing across the equator. So when you sail across the equator, an old tradition is you go through the Neptune ceremony, which it, it takes different uh, forms, usually uh, uh, ridicule and uh, uh, wearing slops and numerous other mm -hmm. things that, uh, that people throw at you and the like if it's your first go across the equator. It has to be sail. A, a cruise liner doesn't mm -hmm. count. And... Um, and so I want to be a, I want to be able to have the right to tattoo the the um, a turtle on my ankle, which says that you've gone through the Neptune ceremony. Awesome. And so that's my bucket list item, which I think was uh, it's it'll I'm, I'm currently a clean skin, so it'll be my first tattoo as well. <laughs> well that's awesome. Uh, it reminds me of that Simpsons episode with the the stone cutters and the the paddle ceremony. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I I would have had a tattoo on my on my foot at some other point. I was uh, back in the dim distant past. I we used to be a marine biologist and um, I was volunteering doing some research on on turtles on the Heron Island. And we had three weeks of doing what's called um, turtle rodeo. Um, now, that's an interesting uh, pastime. Uh, basically, you chase turtles in a speedboat and you have two people either side of the person driving and um you're the jumpers and when you line up on the turtle you jump overboard and you uh, effectively you have to dive with your hands in front of you with the idea that you um almost hit the turtle mm. um so that you can then grab it and you put one hand up to the neck, which is like a, this is referred to as the knuckle, and another yep. one is down to the bottom to, to hold the whole carapace. And then you flip the, the turtle upright, then the turtle swims you back up to the surface. And then by that time, theoretically, the boat has come round and is ready to pick you up and the turtle. Um, it got very interesting at times. Uh, we did get wow. it quite gung ho. <laughs> we, we did have some interesting experiences with this. Uh, but one, one of the things is that the researcher was an American and he came up with this old tradition that um, uh, sailors would um, tattoo a pig on the sole of their foot uh, 
and that would stop them from drowning. And we would each day draw in biro on our soul <laughs> a picture of a pig <laughs> because there was nobody available on the on Heron Island to tattoo us a, a pig. And I would have had one if I, if we could have, wow. but it just didn't happen. Um, apparently, I have looked into it, and the tradition comes from uh, livestock would be uh, kept in wooden crates. And when a ship went down, uh, the wooden crates would float off and the livestock <laughs> survived. Um, wow. And so... That's where the tradition of, you know, pigs uh, basically surviving um, shipwrecks. And so people would tattoo the pig on their foot. <laughs> oh, that's, 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 that's random. You know, but, very but random. Very so random. I think, awesome. I think, I don't know, but I know there's a huge, uh, you know, tattoos have got a lot more popular these days. Yeah. But I always feel a tattoo has to have a story. You know, you've oh, got to have yeah, something yeah. why you decided that. And the number of yeah. people I always, uh, well, I often ask people, especially the paramedics I'm working with, you know, so what's that one mean? And what's this one mean? And, uh, and most of the time, like, it was pretty. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't really see that as a as a yeah, reason yeah. for putting a tattoo because it's permanent. Um, but but anyway, yes. So that's that's my bucket list item yeah. is to have a tattoo on my ankle with, with a meaning. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> um, all right. Moving on to Ryan's favorite question. Now, he's not here, so he can't pass as harsh judgment as he normally does. Um, yes. But I'll, I'll, I'll try take the persona of Ryan. <laughs> and uh, what is the greatest sitcom ever made? Look, I, I'm going to, and this is probably a really upset Ryan, but I have to say that I don't watch a lot of sitcoms. I, I, I hate the canned laughter. Um, oh, and yeah. Um, I much prefer when we came over to to Oz. I was quite surprised at the uh, TV with the amount of adverts that were in them, and oh, yeah. because UK has quite restricted um, times that you can put the adverts in, uh, whereas Australia seems to just um, you know you, you often when you're watching a movie end up watching more movie more um, uh, adverts than movie towards the end, mm-hmm. and so we just tend to well, at the time and obviously now we just stream, but at the time we would buy DVD set box sets and just watch those, mm-hmm. and I would not have bought a sitcom, but um, mm-hmm. uh, as I am not, but I did have a long think about this, and then I had to go and check out whether it was verified as a sitcom or not. Yep. Um, and this is going to be way back, and you probably never heard of it, maybe, uh, but <laughs> the young ones. Have you I've, heard of the young ones? I've no, I've heard the name, but I don't know anything about it. You know, it's basically uh, Ben Elton uh, mm-hmm. wrote it. Who uh, you know, he's done a lot of, uh, he's done his stand up, and he's done a lot of books and a, and, a, and a lot of other comedies like Blackadder and the like. Yeah. Um, but he wrote this one in his young days, and it was for um, students in a in a share flat in the UK, and they would always have they were they're only half hour episodes. They would always have um, a band on, and I think one time they managed to get uh, Motorhead on, <laughs> playing wow. in their fr- playing in their front front room. You know, wow. just it was just random, really random, but it was hilarious and uh, extremely violent as well, which was very funny. Um, and so that's that's my I'll have to say is my favourite sitcom because it is one of my favourite comedies, and apparently it is still classified as a, a sitcom because it was a half hour stint. There was canned laughter. And it was situational comedy um, yeah. that 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 went on. So, what's Ryan's favorite? Just out of Ryan, I th- I think it's it's BBC Office. Yes, that um, that's far better than the the US one. He likes that. Um, I'm trying to remember because he he says it all the time when we do this when we do this. Um, 
<laughs> he'll be listening to her and go, oh, for God's sake, tell him. Yes, yeah. No, I, I might I might splice it in here somewhere. No, but no, he, he says the office a lot. Um, he likes right. both. He likes both. He loves Ricky right. Gervais. Um, yeah. Well, I would suggest that you could probably watch them on YouTube now. They've probably been uploaded to YouTube as yeah. episodes. There weren't that many episodes. Um, <laughs> well, that, that's that's a staple of the British, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean... It, there weren't that. I mean, it was. I mean, you, you know, everyone knows Faulty Towers. I guess that's another one, but yeah. um, uh, that only had one season or something like, like six that. episodes or something. Yeah, I mean, um, but everyone's heard of it, you know. Yeah. So, and uh, IT crowd's good. Yeah, um, yeah, I love that. That 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 ran a long time, and you go, oh, it's only twenty episodes, you know, but it still ran a long time. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah no, my favorite is Scrubs. Yeah. Which. Oh. which you see these. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought them as a sitcom, but I guess no. It's classified. Like, it's called. It's called because you got the the uh, the stat, like the single cam sitcom and the like. Scrubs is a more newer newer yeah style. I, I, there's a term term for it, but no, I I love Scrubs. I just I just remember the surgeon or was it one of the doctors who's in the in the in the uh, um, tea room pouring coffee into his <laughs> to give yeah. himself a colonic yeah. irrigation. I was like, yeah, it's actually the first medical TV show to bring in surgeons wearing masks, actually wearing. Because you, you, you see, watch, the you reason watch the reason they don't put the masks on is you can't see the actors. Yeah. Yeah, like, they lean so hard into that with the jokes and and like the eyes, eyes and yeah, and yeah. and they're like like one of the surgeons hitting on this this guy and he's got very feminine eyes. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, man, I thought you were a girl. <laughs> There's a there was a mate in the UK, a paramedic who, how should we put it? Um, he would uh, always say, "Would you?" Whenever he saw somebody as we're driving yeah. along, he'd go, would yeah. you? And we used to joke that, you know, his, uh, Pudsey was his nickname. And we used to joke, look, mate, you know, you would, all it all requires is certain anatomy and a pulse, and and you would. <laughs> and um, yeah. anyway, um, one day we're driving along and he's like, oh, oh, would you? And as we were in plast, it was a bloke with long hair. And uh, <laughs> I said, oh, I guess it's just a pulse then. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, no, I could talk about Scrubs forever. Um, but um, I, yeah, I just love the writer Bill Lawrence. He's just everything he does. He, he did Ted Lasso after that. Um, oh right, okay. That's uh, one I have is on my to to watch list, but I haven't got around to re, to yeah. watching that one. Um, brilliant writing. Last season was a bit. Hey, how are you going? Mm-hmm. But I, I have a friend who hates it with a fiery passion because it gets it gets the Premier League wrong. Because that wouldn't happen. That wouldn't happen. That you know, that typical Americans getting the you know, yes, yes. Like on on our last episode or episode before, he ranted for like ten minutes on ten. I, look, I, I mean, I, I will have to. I mean, I that's that. I could say that's terrible. You know, it's it's yeah. creative license. It's all lots of stuff. And yeah. being a writer, you know, you have to have a certain amount of uh, leniency on some of the things you say. But yeah. I'm probably the worst person to watch a medical. Anything yeah. medical on the TV yeah. because I'll just say, oh, for God's sake, you know, and you know, oh, they're they're far yeah. too perfused to be dead. You know, he's like, yeah. look, they're pink. Why are they still pink? For God's sake, they're supposed to be dead. Uh, I, yeah. I think so. back in the nineties, they call it a zipper. What's that? Uh, a zipper. It's like someone who sits in the movie theater, and whenever something happens, they go, oh, as if. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, well, I'll, yeah. I'll mention that one to my missus, yeah. and she'll like yeah. that one. Yes. I, I I have a mate who's who's a director, uh, Matthew Holmes. He did a Legend of Ben Hall, 
movie, like a Bush Ranger movie, a while back. Okay. Got a got a raving reviews. He had a new new one out recently, but he's the same. Like, so he's made this historical movie, and he's like accurate to the T. But he hates watching historical movies because he's like, that's not accurate. That's not hap- that didn't yes. happen. That yeah. you know. And I'm a little bit the same. You know, like when I watch oh, look- a. Tr- when I watch a true story and then I go, Oh, this is interesting. Oh, let's look into it. Okay. That didn't happen. <laughs> that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Yes. Yes. There's a, there's a lot yeah. of uh, creative license used in yeah. anything that's supposed to be historic or, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know, the portrayal of paramedics in so many movies, a is they don't talk because, you know, um, if you've got somebody coming in and, and picking somebody up, you know, you one of your characters up and sticking them yeah. on a, on a, on a stretcher and throwing them in the back of the ambulance, it costs money if yeah. they speak and so <laughs> um they don't make a, don't let them speak and we couldn't do a job if we don't speak that's the thing yeah. as, as you can see i i'm not exactly the short yeah. in uh coming forward with respect to speech and yeah. we have to ask them questions you know and uh to find out how they're feeling what they're you know yeah. what's happened all that sort of stuff but every time you see them in the movies they cut, turn yeah. up don't say a word they throw them on the back and drive them in you know and, and yeah. that's it You'll and so it <laughs> yes, yeah, but I think, I, and it's it's funny watching that. The fact yeah. I mean, I, we're watching, I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh, we're watching Safe, which is on Netflix at the mm-hmm. moment, and every time they cut to a scene of the hospital, they've obviously used the same scene because yeah. there's two paramedics going across with a stretcher every yeah. single time. It's the same <laughs> yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, what are they? <laughs> they always there, just walking past yeah. with the camera. Yeah, so that happens in everything. You know, they use the same footage. But uh, tech, oh, old show Texas Ranger, you know Chuck Norris yeah. show. Yeah. They use the same footage for every single drug bust they do in the whole series. <laughs> you know, it's the same footage. It's, well, I mean, obviously you can, it's it's budget and stuff like yeah. that. But I mean, you know, surely that camera would have been on that hospital for longer than the yeah. three seconds. Surely they could have taken the next three seconds yeah. to splice in for the next bit or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. So. Yeah. Uh, anyway. uh, we're, we're, we're not TV makers. We, we, we don't know what we're talking about. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, let's Very move on point. to the 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 crazy one. Uh, do you have a zombie apocalypse plan? You know, when I said I got the the uh, box sets of uh, DVDs and stuff like that mm-hmm. when I, in the back in the day, um, we've got a full collection of Walking Dead, um, mm-hmm. uh, Fear the Walking Dead, uh, everything else Walking Dead. Um, mm-hmm. I have actually also played. I I played a game. It's really sad. I'm sorry. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna out myself with respect to this, but um, probably for the last five years I've played this game on my phone because obviously you get some time yeah. to yeah. to stand there ramped and you can just sort of like do things and um and it's called um, Last Day on Earth and that is a zombie apocalypse apoc- apocalypse game mm-hmm. where you basically have to build your base etc etc etc. Uh, and kill zombies all the time. So I am quite frequently um, zombies is something that is features a lot. I like the sort of genre of of that. Yeah. And um, so when you said, "Have you got a plan?" It's like, <laughs> "Yep, <laughs> I, I know what I'm doing." <laughs> yeah. So my plan, as I have it, is um, I would when you obviously get the news. I mean, reality is, as a paramedic, I will probably be one of the first ones. First, bit. Yeah. So I'm probably out of the game anyway, you know, um, because it's always the paramedics that die first. Um, (laughs) Well, apart from the patients. Um, But, yeah, yeah, the idea would be to either get my car or 
steal a very large truck, drive down to Bunnings, fill it up with a, a, as much <laughs> to as many tools as much building material as I can possibly get in there, then drive straight down to a marina, load it up on the biggest sailboat yacht I could find, and then sail out and find myself a small island somewhere, and then build myself a um, a fortress that I can then yeah. protect and then also grow crops and stuff like that. So there's nobody else on that island. Um, and then I'd have plenty of warning if anyone was coming nearby because yeah. the island's small enough to see. And yeah, so that that's... I, I always sort of said that, um, you know, zombie movies don't deal with the whole go get on a boat and disappear. And then yeah. um, Fear the Walking Dead did. Uh, yeah, Fear <laughs> the Walking Dead did was where they had them getting on a boat. And then yeah. they, all of the zombies that were floating... <laughs> we're climbing yeah. onto the boat and I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, didn't think about that. Yeah. <laughs> You're just going to get further you know, the, out. Further they're out. all getting washed out in the river, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and the rivers wash them all out to sea and then there's yeah. the boats go along, they're all trying to climb back on because obviously they don't drown. Um, yeah. But you would have thought they would have sunk. But yeah. <laughs> so who knows? do you have a, uh, do you have a uh, apocalypse plan? Well, the thing is I live in the mountains, so it's kind of like, Everyone that tells me, oh, we'll just head for the mountains. And I go, well, I'm kind, of pre- I'm kind of pretty set where I am. I've, I live in a town that's one road in. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got, I've got uh, you know, I'll be at the ceremonial swords on the wall. Have you seen the, the scene from Paul where the, the guy says, don't buy the sword. It's just, it's not worth the money. And then yeah. he goes to take the sword out and he snaps as soon as he goes to use it. It's yeah. like, ah. Oh. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, unfortunately, those those probably yeah. won't work in a... In a yeah. I, I guess one thing I have noticed is that the skull strength of zombies seems to be really soft. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether that's part of the whole zombie process or becoming a zombie, but it seems that everyone can break skulls really, really easy. Yeah. Um, but it's, 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 I think it's just the MacGuffin. I mean... One of the fun, I went to this oh, way back, so it would have been season six of Walking Dead, I think it was, and they had a big season premiere at the Sydney Opera House. Oh wow! And it was a free screening, and I was going, "All oh, right, yeah." Oh, yeah. My brother-in-law took me took me along, and I think it was that episode. There's an episode, maybe that episode or 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 close to, but the zombie extra breaks character for a split second because he's coming through a doorway. Yeah. And it's like one of those step doorways, and you see, you know, step over the thing carefully. It was so funny. Uh, yeah, just, they're usually they're usually whoa, 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 really really good. To do that. Yeah, no, just don't trip over. I thought that would have added to the you know theatrics, but it's just I'm one of these weird people that I watch extras just for you know fun. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. it's it's better in older movies because the directors didn't care about the extras. They just right. You, know, you yeah. just see see so many stupid funny things, but now they actually you know act properly but yeah um, <laughs> now they're getting paid a lot more so they have to <laughs> yeah 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 um so have you finished all walking dead are you up to date or um you... i can't remember i we got to the point with uh fear the walking dead where they all started becoming separate movies going off mm, uh, or yeah. separate series going off yeah. and we haven't we haven't yet watched those um yeah. Because I, I think they they disappear off Netflix or whatever, and then yeah, go on to yeah. something else, and yeah. you're like, oh, do I really have to um, pay switch, pay, yeah. pay that, pay this to go and watch just yeah. the rest of that? Yeah. I think we were watching them on binge um, yeah. because the whole they all came out on binge, um, but uh, I think I think we've finished them all. Yes, I'm pretty yeah. sure we have. No, so. I, I I think I just gave up. <laughs> I think I gave up. Um, uh, yeah, I watched one season of Fear the Walking Dead. Never, never 
It's not that I didn't like it. I just never got around to. Yeah, it's actually. It. It, it, I think it's. It was very. It was quite different from um, uh, Walking Dead uh, because yeah. you didn't have that main one leader that was running the whole show. Yeah. Um, but uh, and it has you know and, the, and there was a lot of uh, more interesting characters in it. Yeah. Um, so it was it's good, but then it, it at times it does get a bit silly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, I did I did notice that especially with Walking Dead. All these places that Rick Grimes takes them to, they're perfectly fine. And if if they never went there, they would still be fine. <laughs> like when you think about yeah, it, you know? Yeah. Then you can just imagine, oh, shit, it's Rick Grimes turning up. Christ, <laughs> what are we going to do? Hide. Quick, hide, hide. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's just funny. I know they're going to do it to keep the story going and, and all that. Mm-hmm. But, it's, but it's, yeah. 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 Good. <laughs> All right, let's move on to time travel. This is one of uh, my favorite questions. So Mr. Elon Musk calls you up and says, hey, I've got this new electric time machine. Uh, let's face it, if there was someone who was going to make a time machine, it would be Elon <laughs> Musk and it would be electric. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. So he offers mm-hmm. you to take it for a spin. Uh, mm-hmm. One trip, where do you go? What do you do? Well, well, there you um, He probably wouldn't have any money left because I've already told you that all the super rich have gone. So um, yeah. Yeah, his, his his development has been drastically reduced because he hasn't got any money left. But anyway, so whether I trust getting into his time machine when he's when he's when his money's gone is is debatable. <laughs> um, but uh, let, let's let's shelve that and have a. Uh, I did have a long think about this, and um, I do like the whole genre with respect to time travel. Mm. However, I do also recognise that um, the chaos theory dictates that if you go backwards in time, when you come forwards back into your time, it will not be the same. There is no way adding somebody in at any point doesn't have a ripple effect that will affect the the future. And so in that respect, I would love to go back and see the dinosaurs. I would love to go back and see um, different sort of like uh, significant historical events. However, I would be too concerned that my presence would then alter everything forward from there, especially yeah. the dinosaurs. You know, you do one thing there, yeah. <laughs> step yeah. on a, you know, because yeah. you, you can't walk on soil or anything without killing something. And that yeah. could have been the, you know, precursor for whatever further down the track. And mm-hmm. that would then be a whole sort of like um, uh, arm of a, <laughs> a, 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 a evolutionary sort of process that, you, that you've just screwed up. Um so in that respect, I would go to the future and I would look at probably a thousand, two thousand years into the future and go find out what happens, whether we screw things up, whether mm-hmm. we are all um, left the planet and, and uh, you know, searching the stars and all that sort of, sort of um, and I would love, I mean, I, I really do like the science fiction aspect of space travel and, mm-hmm. and getting into other planets and, and all that sort of thing. And, and so having the opportunity to travel forward and then see those in reality, yeah. that would be for me just amazing. I would love, I mean, it would be probably very difficult for me to go back. <laughs> but then again, if I turn up and we're just this molten mass left on yeah. the planet and there's nothing left yeah. or we're back to the dinosaurs, um, then I then I'll know that we've screwed things yeah. up and um, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you can always send the machine back and leave a note. And... <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry you, Elon. Can it's you too just good. invest twenty dollars somewhere for me, and that'll pay for my travels now in the oh, in no, the future. Just, just put twenty bucks in a, in a bank account, and the interest yeah, will <laughs> exactly, exactly. <Yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> What's your what was your answer to that one? Oh, there's too there's too many. Like I've always made the joke, go back in time and get get like a really valuable comic book and then bring it forward and like, like yeah, you flip flip yeah. the you know flip because like, what's Nicolas Cage is a four million dollar comic book. Wow. You know, and he won't sell it. It'll get him out of debt, but he won't sell it. You know, <laughs> like the very first Superman comic. You know, yes. So there's stuff yeah. like that, and then you go forward, get the lotto numbers, all that, all that stuff. But I would, yeah. I would love, I would seriously love to visit um, uh, the era when Ned Kelly was active, or the Emu Wars, perhaps. You actually do a... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 but because Emus freak me out. And yet, yes, I, I wrote a book on emus. I don't want to go because back and see. You out. I don't want to go back and see twenty thousand of them. You know. Yeah, good point. <laughs> you know, that would be yeah, pretty <laughs> like fearsome. I, I, I could not like we would laugh at it, but I could not imagine the terror of twenty. You know, that yes. many emus, <laughs> and a lot of them were six foot. You know, so yes, 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 <laughs> just fearsome. Like, stay there. <laughs> it's probably why but, I've ne- never visited that- Perth. In 1932, the Australian Army declared war on 20,000 emus and lost. It's a part of Australian history that not many know about. Maybe that's because history is written by those who win. So if you want to hear the full story of the Great Emu War of 1932, then check out my book, Letters from the Emu War. Read letters, newspaper articles and journal entries. With every turn of the page, you will gain a deeper understanding of the life and times of emus at war. So head on over to jabryden.com and grab a signed copy today. But if you go to, if you if you went back to those days, you'd actually see how horrible it was to live there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, hundred percent. But you know, there's, there's a lot of mystery behind behind his story, and you know, I'd love to see that. Like, it'd be probably, it'd be really easy to make friends with him, to be honest. You reckon? Um, he did. Yeah. Didn't didn't he shoot people? Yeah. Not not <laughs> um not like he didn't just run around. He's going bang 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 bang. You know, like, it was it was you know. I mean, and this is you know the the divided you know a lot of division <laughs> around the character. It, it is. There's a lot of division. Like it's it's you know. Um, I got a friend who's a, who's a historian and all that, but. It's when he got hanged, he only got hanged for one of the three people that he killed. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. because the, the guy that witnessed it committed perjury. Like there's, there's so, so much dodgy stuff around it. Like the yeah. whole point that Ned Kelly made his armor is because he didn't want to hurt people. It was all about robbing a bank and getting out of there without shooting back. Yeah. And you know that, but you know, it did weigh a hundred kilos. But then so again, he did have yeah. two guns. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that yeah. the, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you know, like, that was the time, self-defense yeah. and all, all that stuff. And um, whether you love him or hate him, he was a remarkable, you know, uh, person. Right. <laughs> he did. He did. Uh, there's, all, there's just all these hilarious stories. I mean, it took took him two years to catch him. So yeah, that's uh, a yeah. same thing with Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but there's a huge contrast because Ned Kelly's whole thing was political. It was basically um, fighting back against, you know, the persecution and that's what that's what he said yeah um, however you want to see it um yeah. but it's yeah usually, it's usually palm bashing though <laughs> yeah yeah well he was irish you know <laughs> it's the irish versus the english you know and 
When, yeah. I, when I first arrived in, in Townsville, this is many years ago, I was doing the mm. marine biology, the number of times uh, as a POM, and I was the only POM in the Hall of Residence, and I would get uh, Gallipoli, break them around, um, mm. and then all of the POM jokes and stuff like that. And you just... Yeah. You just have to roll with it because I think I think mm. that's the Australian tradition is to to see if they can needle the palm and see what they how they react. And I soon yeah. found out that the way you deal with it is laugh because if you don't, yeah. you're labeled as as a, as a whinging palm, and uh, <laughs> and so you have to yeah. sort of like roll with it. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. you you you're not going to survive. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's that's the thing. Um, when Steve Irwin died, like I had a friend uh, who came over from like his father was with the military and his father came over he was american mm. and he couldn't understand like because before steve Irwin died everyone would mock him and laugh at him and ah, and then yeah. he dies and everyone's like oh it's so sad that he got and this guy was like i don't get it yeah well it, like one minute you're you know yes it's, a, it's, it's that tall this, poppy syndrome and you know he's the, made he's made a name for himself etc yeah. etc uh, i mean Sorry, what's that? It's it's the Aussie thing. Like you know, we make fun mm. of people, but we don't. You know, like it's it's all in good, um, good heart. If you if you know what I mean. Like we, we don't hate someone. It's just <laughs> unless like... you're the butt of the joke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. I, I I remember when I heard that Steve had died, um, and uh, and they sort of said, "Oh, stingray," and I just went, "That's not possible." <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I said the only way a stingray could kill somebody is if you cuddle it. <laughs> Literally, there is no yeah. other way because yeah. the barb is too short. So you have to actually get the you know when when you stand on a stingray, mm. it it flips flips its tail up with a barb on and jabs yeah. you in the ankle. That's yeah. the range we're talking about. Yeah. So you're standing on it and it hits you in the ankle or the lower leg. Mm. How does a stingray manage to get that barb into your chest and into yeah. your heart? And unfortunately, he must have grabbed it. Yeah. And the problem for him was his expertise was in reptiles. Yeah. And he's gone off sort of AWOL with respect to going into the marine field. And yes, okay, you yeah. get a few marine reptiles, um, but not many. And yeah. he's done the same thing he did with his reptiles to yeah. an animal in the, in the sea, which yeah. doesn't react the same way. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's... And, and from what I understand is he did the exact opposite of what you needed to do in that situation yeah and he pulled the spine out and the and again it's his knowledge was reptiles and yeah if you were a marine biologist or somebody who knew knew yeah. <laughs> um uh stingrays the last thing you need to do is pull that thing out because it's serrated backwards it's barbed and if you try and pull it out it yeah. rips a bigger hole than it went yeah. in so and like, so like an arrow kind of thing like when the yeah arrow exactly like that yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's going to rip a bigger hole out and so yeah. the best best thing you can do is you just leave it in and yeah. then deal with it i mean they are they do have venom on but that's easier to deal with than a really great big yeah. hole in your heart yeah. because he then had about five seconds six seconds of life wow. expectancy because it went into his ventricle of his heart and he ripped a big hole out when he pulled it yeah. out not good not good yeah. I mean, I so, think that's the one thing I've learned from the movies, you know, that, that they get right is leave it in, you know, yeah, like a lot, yeah, don't a lot pull of... Th yeah. Don't pull stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For all the crazy yes. things that they get wrong, leave it in work. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Which brings us nicely, uh, I believe, to um, my book's paramedic stuff. 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. Good segue, good segue. I was working it's, on it. <laughs> it's almost like you have your own podcast and you know what we're doing. <laughs> but, well, perhaps, yes, that could have um, had some influence. All right, so so you're a paramedic and you're an author. Like, what came first? A uh, paramedic. I mean, I, yeah. I was... Um, I originally was a marine biologist and um, I got sick of research and went into um, more into education and was had the, you know, getting gigs, going to different places around the world, doing uh, teaching marine biology to uh, mainly um, uh, very rich American kids um, doing summer abroad programs and things like that. So I was uh, working with my wife out in the Turks and Caicos Islands on a, on about three different gigs out there, um, which is the islands at the arse end of the Bahamas. Um, so beautiful, but not a lot there. Um, mm. Fantastic diving, amazing diving. Um, but anyway, after uh, several years of uh, literally living out of a suitcase, um, uh, my wife cracked first and retrained as a teacher. And um, I then... In between, param- uh, in, in between marine biology jobs, I would uh, do graphic design work. And I went, cool, we've now got a base. We can buy a house because we've got a, actually got an income. Um, <laughs> and um, now I'll start working from home as a, as a graphic designer. And I did that. First year was great. Second year was crap. Third year, uh, I managed to make a quite sizable debt. Um, I was very good at that. And um, unfortunately, I could do the graphic design stuff, but working for myself, I found uh, that I wasn't very good at because I, yeah, I, I didn't know the business in that sense. And I didn't have, uh, I didn't know how to get new clients, uh, which is a li- slight problem for a business. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I had my classic, the classic line from the missus was, you need to go and find yourself a new life or a new wife. Um, so I wow. stopped. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I stuck with the old model and I went and looked to see something else that I could do. And um, I did consider doing medicine, but I just couldn't afford it because I had to pay off the debt. And um, then the, my mom actually suggested um, to, what have you thought about paramedics? And um, I went, well, no, I haven't really. Because when when, I, when she asked me, well, what sort of doctor would you want to be? And I'd say, well, I have to be an emergency doctor. And then she said, well, what have you thought about being a paramedic? And then when I looked into that... They actually paid you to train at the t- at that time, and I went. That works well with the debt. Um, <laughs> I can I can actually bring some money in rather than studying. And um, but then when I applied, I didn't get anywhere because on my CV I had three years of <laughs> of working myself as a graphic designer, yeah. which didn't look that impressive. Uh, and and prior to that was a marine biologist. And so anyway, um, I they said I had to wait, and in that time I then applied for a uh, job as an assistant senior crimes officer and got it. And so I started working for the, as, as a senior crimes officer for about um, six months or more. And then and that was like going to scenes and processing them, fingerprints, collecting DNA and all that sort of stuff, going to a few autopsies, which is all quite interesting and, 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 and may have been used in books from there. <laughs> um, but uh, after that, uh, I, I was accepted on a, the, uh, to, to train to be a paramedic. And I worked in the UK for about five years. And um, then they, I got this message that, or picked up the thing saying that uh, uh, Australia was looking for paramedics. They were poaching UK paramedics. And I went to the missus who um, originally had said that she wanted to um, 
go back to the, go back from Australia to to the UK because she wanted to be close to her family. And so I didn't think it was going to be much of a chance. And I said, oh, look, you know, they're looking for paramedics in Australia. And she said, um, I think we should do that. And so, yeah, I uh, came over here in 2008, um, trained as a, uh, well, went through a whole process, won't go, but basically became a critical care paramedic in mm-hmm. 2010 and then got stuck on a truck. Uh, mainly due to the fact that I can't keep my mouth shut, um, as you've noticed. And um, uh, but when I don't, when I, I don't count how to the right people. And um, if somebody does something that I think is silly, or there's some process that's brought mm-hmm. in that I think is is dumb, I tell them, yeah. which hasn't earned me many friends <laughs> in higher management and and the people you need to make friends with. Yeah. I'm not very good at that because uh, I, I just tell them how it is and. Yeah. So I got stuck on a truck, whereas critical care paramedics, they, the main role for them is to be in a, um, a sedan and drive around and back up crews because yeah. we bring extra uh, skills and equipment and, and knowledge, et cetera, to a scene. And so if a, if, a, if a job sounds bad, they'll send a critical care paramedic and a truck with two paramedics on it, which are advanced care paramedics. And um, so, uh, yeah, I was, I was on the truck if I got to back people up, it would be a case of, um, you know, I, I'd have my crewmate with me. And with, but it, it does mean that when you're on a truck, you go to everything, um, all of the sort of low acuity cases, and um, you get slammed uh, with the amount of workload. Uh, whereas uh, on a, a, a pod, as it's called, where you're on a sedan, um, it used to be that you would have a lot of downtime and you'd only go to emergencies. Um, and so that was really cool. However, I didn't get to that position. And so I was getting more and more frustrated. And I sort of said to my missus, I was having a probably a good old whinge, which I'm, you know, genetically predisposed to. <laughs> and um, she sort of said that I should write a book. And then, I, I as I mentioned, I got sort of uh, uh, too much into the write what you know and came up with this yeah. murder mystery based in Brisbane around this around this critical care paramedic, or at the time they were called in, intensive care paramedics, mm. um, who's thinks that somebody's bumping off the regular patients. And um, I wrote that over two and a half years uh, because I hadn't, that was my first go at creative writing. Um, And, you know, obviously in my role as a, you know, researcher and other things, I'd I'd done a lot of writing, but I hadn't done anything fiction, creative fiction. And so I started writing that, wrote it in two and a half years. And then I sent it off to be edited. And then I'm going, oh, what do I do now? So then I, wrote the, the sequel and uh, the sequel I wrote in five months. Uh, then I started writing the next one, the third one, mm-hmm. and I got halfway through that. And I then had this crisis of confidence as to why am I spending all my time writing if I can't publish the first book, because I'm worried yeah. about what the ambulance service is going to say. Um, because my characters may not have thought that their management was great. And it was <laughs> fictional, you know, it's all fictional, yeah. but, um, He's not that, uh, well, there is part of the story is revolves around his friction with management. And, you know, it's got nothing to do with me. Absolutely yeah. nothing to do with my experience with respect yeah. to management in the ambulance service. Um, and anyway, um, I then came up with the idea. Ed, the edits came back with a lot of um, uh, changes, a lot of things be cut out of it. And there was all these, there's a, there's a thing in writing where you have to um, uh, kill your darlings. It's known as when yeah. somebody says delete it, you delete it, and you bin it. Um, 
for all writers out there, don't bin it, keep it. It's digital yeah. for Christ's sake. It's not going to take up any room. So save yeah. it because you can keep yeah. it and use it somewhere else. Um, and I came up with the idea of like, had about six almost chapters at times um, that were deleted. And I rewrote those as um, short stories and then came up with this crazy idea of writing one for each of the um, AMPDS codes. That's the coding system that we used when somebody makes a call for the for an ambulance, it gets coded in in one of 32 categories uh, from abdominal pain to unknown unknown problem. Yeah. It's alphabetical. And uh, and you get a number for whichever category it's in. And I decided to write one short story for each of the each of the categories. Um, I didn't do the maths. Um, and if you think about it, four or five thousand world short stories, 32, you've got about one hundred and fifty thousand words, which is about wow. two two novels worth of of yeah. stories and i'd have to come up with 32 different ideas and, yeah. and make sure there wasn't any crossover and all that sort of stuff so that whole process took me about six years to complete wow. um but in the interim one of them i sent off to adaptable which is a um a competition run by the queensland writers center and um they basically uh well you, if you to win, there's about twenty winners. Uh, you can't call yourself a winner. It's uh, you're sort shortlisted, and all shortlisted <laughs> people get to um, uh, present their story at um, the Gold Coast Film Festival. And I was one of the shortlisted ones, and um, I was supposed to be presenting at the Gold Coast Film Festival. And you pitch your ideas to producers and uh, and the like. Um, for either movie or TV shows. And, and, and uh, unfortunately, it was 2020, and the Gold Coast Film wow. Festival didn't yeah. happen. And unfortunately, it uh, boiled down to about five or six Zoom uh, mm. chats of 15 minutes. And my, I'd only relatively recently moved to a new house, mm -hmm. and, the, yeah. and the bandwidth was, or the, the, the internet was crap. And so uh, at least eight minutes of my 15 minutes got taken up with um, trying to fix the internet connection. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and, and at least two of my pitches ended up on the phone because we couldn't go, do the Zoom. Yeah. And um, I did get a, a studio interested and they sort of, that process lasted another five months where they were asking me for more material and this, that, and the mm. other. And in the end, they just said, oh, look, um, we feel that it would be better suited for a book. And it was that point, it was just like, yeah. I can't go through the whole process again with finding a publisher. Yeah. And as I already had Dead Regular almost, well, virtually finished, I just polished that up and self-published it. And so that was in 2020. Um, I published the sequel in 21. Um, and then in 22, I managed to finish off the uh, short story series. And so published that one in 22, uh, uh, The Collected Tales. And then um, 23, as in last November, I published the third one in the in the series, uh, which is called High Acuity. And that's a terrorist plot at the at the at Brisbane airport um, wow. involving ambulances um, and the security or lack of it with respect to ambulances <laughs> accessing planes. <laughs> I, was, I actually had a, 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 a um, Qantas pilot. And I, who reviewed the plane set? I, I try. I try and pride myself on my writing with yeah. respect to the medical and the what happens in an ambulance is all yeah. very factual. It's it's what yeah. happens. Um, 
but then I then my characters end up on a plane and I haven't a bloody clue about flying <laughs> or anything like that. And I'm Googling lots and lots <laughs> of stuff to do it. But then I sort of like pitched that at, at, to a pilot and he came back and go, this can't happen, this can't happen, this can't. <laughs> I was like, ah, shit. Um, so I, I did do a lot of changes that he suggested. Yeah. But then I, I actually said, do you realize about the security issue with ambulances accessing planes? And he went, yep. <laughs> it's like, I've often thought that that's a real risk. <laughs> Because yeah. we don't we we don't get checked. Yeah. No, nobody checks. We turn yeah. up and we walk through the they, they just wave us through the with bags and yeah. everything. We'll get waved through the security yeah. and nobody checks us. Don't even check our IDs. Yeah. So how, uh, how many how many heist movies have ambulances? You know, like <laughs> I, I just yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's you can walk. I mean, literally, it is a it's a, a free ticket to just walk into anywhere with with a uniform yeah. on. And nobody, I don't think ever anyone has ever checked my um, my my ID. In fact, my ID is about four years out of date. Mm. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just something that nobody ever checks. You, your uniform is enough. So. You learned it here, folks. You learned it here. <laughs> <laughs> so well, was, no, was... no, you learn a far more in high acuity. <laughs> I believe me. <laughs> yeah. Buy oh, the yes. That, that's Buy the book. Buy the book. I don't even remember when I was in TAFE studying music. Uh, we, our teacher told us how to get into music events for free. You know, <laughs> it's like just, just wear black and carry a microphone or a mic lead. You yeah, know? yeah. No, and, and you just look like a roadie. Yep. I just, just go. I'm here, I'm, I'm here to here to fix the PA. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that that's awesome. Um, so w- when you take stories, uh, things that have happened, and and turn them into stories in your book like how much change do you actually oh look i mean obviously i've got to be i mean i i i did have that i I managed up until very very recently i i've uh, managed quite a significant buffer between my real name uh, my real identity and my writing identity which which is obviously harry colfer um and uh but that said any story that i've used from my own experience and things that i've been to um, I I have to be very careful with respect yeah. to patient confidentiality. So generally, I have this nugget of an idea from a, from something that I mm. experienced. Invariably, I will change the gender involved. I'll change, obviously, the location. None yeah. of the names are the same. Yeah. And then all of my fictional characters are thrown on top of that. So even if somebody was uh, yeah. the other paramedic with me on that scene, they probably wouldn't recognize it. Yeah. Um, it's that di- you know yeah. dissociated so from so, the reality. So it's like a scenario. You just create a scenario and then yeah. you fictionalize. Yeah. yeah, and 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 that's that's something. My writing's more. I mean, so much. So many other uh, paramedics or uh, paramedic books and the like focus far more on the blood and gore and the the sort yeah. of high intensity. Everyone's running around and stuff like that. That yeah. generally doesn't happen most of the time. We don't yeah. run. That's the one paramedic rule: is you never run. Yeah. Uh, because if you run into a scene everyone else starts panicking so you're yeah. going to walk in as the rock that's sort of like calm when everyone else is losing their shit and <laughs> yeah. um i call it the swan philosophy because you yeah. walk in and everything looks serene on top but underneath your legs are going like this because your heart's yeah. going like this but you've got to keep yeah. this demeanor in front of you to to calm everything down yeah um but yeah the the um when when it I have to keep the the reality of of my jobs separate yeah. from what I write about, and and 
and it is definitely you know there's a there's a big difference but what i try and do with that with the um with my stories is they focus much more on um the banter um how we as paramedics turn up and talk and i talk in the cab so it's as if you've got a fly on the wall of the cab that um and and people get to see what it's like to be a paramedic unfortunately you've obviously now got a lot of tv shows the mm. um you know ambulance australia and uh the uk versions which are the ones that first started off and then there's us mm. ones and all of those and you can you can go and see what um the ambulance services want you to view ambulance work as yeah if you see what i mean um the thing is that they're very sanitized um we watch them and just giggle because you just (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. um the thing for sake of argument with with um ambulance australia that was filmed uh is it two seasons they've done in in brisbane um i don't know at least one i think they've done two yeah um they interviewed the paramedics so you had to, if you wanted to to be filmed you had to apply yeah. you then had to be interviewed this is by the ambulance service you had to be interviewed yeah. by the ambulance service make sure you were drinking from the Kool-Aid and then they would allow you to be um filmed um and so what that meant is that a lot of the scenes there's a they've been very sanitized they they were also had a um an ability to a, a veto to be able to say no you can't show that or no you, you yeah. know, that has to be cut out and and the like and so from with my books because they're fictional i can say it how it is you know yeah. obviously you've got a i mean i understand it's a it's it's a big organization and they've got a an ideal of what paramedics do and say and they can't have the public realize that we actually make jokes about the patients you know because that yeah. would just look really bad and yeah. we make jokes about everything yeah. it's it's constant yeah. you well, that, any that'd scene be like a, that'd be like a coping mechanism wouldn't yes it? It like, is. i mean it's it is but you can't film it because no, oh, no, you're, no. <laughs> you're just like like these callous bastards that, you know yeah. it's like how well, can you be laughing about that and, you know and sometimes yeah. i'll be telling telling a story and i start laughing and everyone in the room just is silent staring at me and then i realize oh god i'm not talking to paramedics um <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it it is very much a very very dark sense of humor and the yeah. and the logic behind it is that um if you can dissociate yourself from what you've just experienced and make mm. fun of it it separates your your psyche from what just happened and you can yeah. compartmentalize it and move it along mm. and that's very important for for a paramedic because basically we go we can go to some really confronting scenes and yeah. then dump the patient off and immediately, thirty minutes later, you're out on another job, and your yeah. focus has to be on that other patient, not the one you've just dropped off the yes. hospital that's got really, you know, mangled or whatever, or there's been some really sort of uh, horrible scene. Um, and you have to be able to remove your mind from that and move on. Yeah. And the way we do it is just by belittling it and making fun of it, and thereby l- weakening its its confrontation yeah. within your mind. Um, yeah. you know, any job that you go to that's confronting, you will get flashbacks, you will get yeah. things you see, and they they can be uh, you know, I I I think I said in my book somewhere that, you know, it's only uh, you know, it I guess it's some form of form of post-traumatic stress, but I guess it's not really PTSD if it doesn't stress you. So if you allow yeah. it, if you can make a way that it doesn't stress you, then you can at least separate that off. And the best way that we do it is by talking about it 
and repeating the same stories over and over again about our jobs. Uh, we used to do that back at station uh, where we would talk through jobs. Oh, I've just been to this one. And, you know, and obviously there'd be a lot of humor you know, evolved mm. as well. Uh, now we're never at station because um, <laughs> the, mm. the workload is just ridiculous. Um, and so we end end up now at the write-up room at the, at the hospitals. That's where we tend to have, um, stand around and chat then uh, mm. or when on the ramp. But obviously you've got to be a bit careful because if you're on the ramp, you can't have those sort of conversations in earshot of other patients. Yeah. You, get, you yeah. have to be very careful. Also, you know, we go, we go out to, we go to, I'm, I'm, I'm not laughing. I'm not <laughs> laughing. That wasn't a laugh. We go to a, say a rest, a, a cardiac arrest and mm. the patient dies or stays dead, should we say, because otherwise, yeah. Um, yeah. And we go outside and then we've got to have a debrief and sort restock the vehicle and all that sort yeah. of stuff. And we end up making jokes and laughing and we're outside and we've got to, you know, sort of like, I've got to be the one who's supposed to like watch and go, no, guys, we need to be on the other side of the ambulance because they're going to hear us and it's not going to look yeah. good, you know? Nah. Um, but it is something that I, I've tried to encapsulate that in the books, but in a way that you understand why we do it. Yeah. And not, I mean, there are some very confronting scenes in some of the books. Um, the the biggest one is, or one of the ones is the, the prologue of Dead Regular is quite confronting. As a, There was a paramedic who came to me and it just went, you've encapsulated all of my fears from my 30 odd years in working as a paramedic in one scene. And it was so confronting. I've had uh, other paramedics that I gave the manuscript to and they couldn't get past the prologue. And they just went, no, I can't do this. (laughs) So um, as long as you get through the prologue of Dead Regular, you'll get through the rest of the Uh, book. Um, That'll be the test. That'll be the test. (laughs) (laughs) So, So do you get many paramedics and medical people reading your books? Yes. Yeah. yeah, that at, at the moment that's probably where my biggest market is is other paramedics, um, or they are other paramedics are buying them the books to hand to yeah. relatives and friends, so they go, yeah. "This is what it's what like." It is. Yeah, yeah, this is. Although it's encapsulated in a in a uh, you know a murder mystery for the first one and a a thriller in the second one, which is based up on Mornington Island, um, and a and you know another thriller with the the high acuity with in, with um, uh, at the airport. Um, the banter and the jobs that we go to was all, I mean, there was one in high acuity, which, um, one of the paramedics came over to me and he said, that scene, I was, I was, I was falling about laughing, but also grimacing at, Mm. at what was happening. And she said, that was true, wasn't it? And I went, yeah, it was, (laughs) (laughs) that was a real one. Yeah. I was, a. we had a, uh, not not too much of a spoiler because there's lots of scenes of paramedic stuff going on, but there's a, we got called to somebody who was um, uh, basically septic, which means that you know they 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 had a very high temperature. Uh, they're quite sick, but they'd been left in a seat for two days. Oh, and we got called to them, and amazingly, there was a couple of PTS guys transport patient transport service guys there and they managed to get her out to the to the stretcher and we're like okay and we stood her up and cutting a very two days worth of diarrhea hit the deck and uh, as we stood her up and yeah uh, we just I was I it was the closest I've ever come to vomiting in 20 odd years of being a, a paramedic um and my poor crewmate had to just manhandle this woman onto the stretcher and oh. yeah yeah, so that was a real scene that ha- actually happened. And there's, there's a few others, but as I say, I, 
I de-identify them, and some of the, sometimes the paramedics who are on scene may be able to recognise them, but most people won't, and it certainly yeah. avoids any sort of patient confidentiality issues. So, in your books, uh, is, have you got like a main character that runs through all of them? Yes. Are they all? Are they all? Set, so it's all connected. Yes. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So effectively, the story is all about a particular intensive care paramedic called Jono, Jono Jonathan Byrne. And he he's the main one in in um, uh, Dead Regular and all the way through. Yeah. And then because the short stories were scenes, initially the first six were scenes deleted from Dead Regular, the way I've pitched them is that they're actually prequels. So the 26, oh, sorry, the 32 uh, short, short stories that I have written in that one all occur in the year prior to or coming up to the start of Dead Regular. So the 32 short stories are in that year uh, or that six months or so, all based in 2012. And then Dead Regular follows on a year later is Beneath Contempt and a year later is High Acuity. And the reason, um, A, I started writing in 2012, so that sort of made it logical to base it then. Mm. But the reason is that, and it's something that I, I tell people who want to write emergency scenes, is you have to be aware of your time and location with respect to medical interventions. Um, you know, things that we were doing in 2012 have changed to what we're doing now. Yeah. And that just happens in medicine. Uh, you know, it's uh, evidence-based medicine. We make changes to how we treat different conditions. And so at some point you've got to say, you've got to draw a line in the sand and say, yep, this is when it happens and this is how, and then I can I can work out what drugs were being used and you know, what interventions were available and that sort of thing. And so I set it at that time. And also it, it gave me a buffer with respect to uh, criticism uh, in the fact that, you know, I could be saying, oh, you know, you're, you're picturing, you're, you're portraying things that are, that are really wrong. And you go, well, yeah, but it, that was 10 years ago. It's all good yeah. now. It's all yeah. changed. Yeah. We're all, we're all, yeah. <laughs> it couldn't possibly be happening now. <laughs> Man, you've, you've thought of everything, haven't you? <laughs> I try, I try, but I probably haven't. Um, the, you know, a long, long time, it was only a couple of years ago where I actually put a face to Harry Colfer um, because I was required to supply a, um, a photograph to a competition I'd won. Oh, wow. And um, it was just like, oh, crap. And now if you do a Google search for Harry Colfer, my bloody picture comes up. So that's sort of like, uh, blew the water out of my with respect to my anonymity and um yeah. yeah and and since then i've sort of become less worried about it mm. and hence why then i we did you know the podcast was another thing because yeah. we obviously use vi video snippets and stuff um yeah. where i can where my face is on it and um mm. I, and, and I, i've just had uh an article written about me for um australasian paramedic associations magazine response mm. magazine and they've just done a two-page spread with my photograph so yeah. and and then use my real name as well so that's <laughs> i think i think i've been outed um yeah. but hey ho i'm i think i've got like one year left of me or this year left of me as a paramedic and then i'm gonna uh, yeah. quit and go off go off traveling get that bucket list t ticked off you mean you can't be a paramedic while you're circum <laughs> traveling oh, look, the globe <laughs> i could but then i would yeah, I don't. I Are think I think I've, I've, I've after twenty years, I've sort of got a bit of burnout. Yeah. Um, and I I need to go and do something different. Um, and so, it, I might come back to it. I I doubt it, but I might. 
Um, I'm not going to burn too many bridges. Hopefully, mm. we'll see. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, the fact that you've got, you know, got you've got a medical background might make it easier for you to go on boats and stuff. <laughs> you know, like like you're like ah, no, if something goes yeah. wrong, he's here. Yeah, yeah, I, I have had that, <laughs> and then I've pointed out I've got no kit. So <laughs> <laughs> as long as you've yeah. got a kit, <laughs> you know, it's like. Uh, I need the ambulance. I need all the yeah, shit yeah, in the ambulance yeah. to actually do right. something. It's just me standing there. Like I, I do remember I was on holiday in uh, Portugal once and um, this woman collapsed and uh, there's all these people around her and my wife's like, go and help, go and help. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay, whatever. And I've wandered over and I said, oh, uh, hello, um, what, what's the problem? And they start talking to me and I'm just looking at them blankly because I can't speak Portuguese. And I'm like, mm. yep. Not a clue. <laughs> and then I'm trying to ask, you know, doing a bit of pidgin Portuguese of a few words that I knew. And eventually worked out she was suffering chest pain. And then I'm like, great, can't do anything for that either. Uh, and then the next thing, somebody, somebody turned up in a car. They bundled her in a car and drove off. And I'm like, stood there like going, well, that was a lot of use. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, there is, I mean, there is limited things you can do without the kit to yeah. actually uh, do interventions. And yeah. obviously when I, when I, I will, I mean, I'll probably, we be one of the few boats when I'm on a, have my own boat, I'll probably be one of the few boats that'll have a defibrillator on it Yeah, because those have become much cheaper now. And so for a few hundred bucks, when you're talking anything on a boat costs a few hundred bucks, at least yeah. starting point. And yeah. so uh, having your own sort of defib um, on board a boat is probably quite um, uh, a nice thing to have. But yes, I might have a, a reasonable first aid kit um, uh, to be able to access. But um, unfortunately, all that stuff start, starts weighing, and so if you yeah. go walk about carrying all of that gear, is just not on. I mean, it, the when I turn up as a as a primary turning up to a say for a cardiac arrest, and we haven't got a the primary means I'm the first one there, and you know you've got no backup crew or they're off, and they're, and there's CPR in progress. I have to carry. This is when I was on the pod. Uh, I would be carrying a, a chest compression device, which weighs about 17 kilos, um, uh, oxygen kit, airway kit, uh, response wow. kit, and the defibrillator. So all up, it's probably closing in on 40-odd kilos, at least, walking into scene. And then you then you you come to the first doorway, and you can't get through. And you, just, yeah. <laughs> you have to walk through sideways, get yeah. through the doors and that, and then dump it all down and then actually start trying to work work on the patient. Yeah. So, yes. So you, <laughs> when you don't have that gear it, you're a bit lost you're basically military without the gun you know i'll have to say we are definitely not military there's a lot of ex-military and, and and medics from the military who decide when they hit civvy street that they'll oh look you know well i've been doing that i've been been a medic in the in the army i'll go yeah. and become a a, a a paramedic that's the obvious switch yeah. and then they turn up to this organization realize you know, and they, they think it's militaristic, <laughs> but it is definitely not. Yeah. If you tell an AMBO to do something, it's the last thing you're gonna because they will immediately go, why? Or or the, <laughs> or or they'll they'll just wander off and do whatever you you know. So we are yeah. not I mean, if you want the closest probably militaristic one is the is the Faris, because mm. they have to be, you know, you say to them, yeah. there's a building, you know, everybody else sees a burning building, you run out of it, whereas they all run into it. Yeah. And so there's got to be somebody there says you run in there and they all do it, you know, in a little yeah. unit. Um, whereas you tell that to Ambos and we'll just like, yeah, we'll, we'll wait. 
<laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll watch. Um, and, you know, it's the same thing with, with anything that sounds dodgy. We'll, yeah. um, we'll often drive, do a drive pass to have a look. Uh, because yeah. I have, I'm, I'm a firm, firm favorite of staying inside the metal box on wheels. Yeah. Uh, drive past, <laughs> check out that there's nothing too dodgy. If it looks dodgy, you keep driving, and then you wait for the cops to turn up because yeah. they've got <laughs> they've got lots of stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I remember one job which I, I did do a short story on, and we <laughs> we turned up. You know, it was, we're driving to this job, lights and sirens, and um, it's like uh, man has punched wall, man's hand is injured. And initially it was not normal, it wasn't lights and sirens and then we we're driving along. Then it's like, um, there were some other things coming through. Patient is being violent towards the, the call taker, uh, lots of screaming on scene, uh, wait for police. And so we're like, okay. And I'm, then we're sitting there in the cab and we're making jokes, ah, but it's an arterial bleed or something like that. And we're just <laughs> sitting here, the guy's bleeding out. The next thing comes through, seriously, not a joke. The yeah. thing is that caller is, caller is describing an arterial bleed. You're like, oh, God. So then at that point, we then do the drive pass. We yeah. drive up, um, and it's like, okay, this looks scene looks dodgy, but it okay. And this guy had punched a hole. You know those um, uh, windows that are fireproof windows with a yeah. wire inside them? Yeah. He'd managed to punch a full hole through that with his fist, right? But when he punched it through, he then ripped it back out and <sighs> took a massive chunk out of his wrist. Hey, it's, uh, the pull back is, thing. it's the yeah, pullback thing. It's the pullback thing again. You know? <laughs> That's what's going to do you. Leave and, it in uh, there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, I open this door and there's like a foyer bit with staircase going up and there's three people lying there, one holding a towel around this guy's wrist, another oh. one screaming. And, and I had nowhere to put my bags because there was so much blood. And wow. that was just like a, a load and go. We just yeah. grab him, try and put a tourniquet on, throw him in the ambulance and drive really fast to to sort yeah. this out. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, you, you can end up sort of sitting there waiting for the cops. And then when you hear something, you go, let's just go and have a look, see if it's yeah. safe and check it out. So yeah. <laughs> so uh, what's next? Are you still writing? Is Have you got yeah. a long, long, long list of stories you're thinking about doing or...? Very long list because that that's what, uh, you know, and, you know, our other uh, genre fiction podcast, that's one of the the constant advice for writers is that um, write down your ideas because yeah. you need to keep an eye because you'll forget them. And then sometimes yeah. you go back. I, I go look at my ideas list and go, oh, that's actually quite good. I like that one. Um, I, the problem I've got at the moment is I'm time poor. Um, yeah. You know, on a full-time rolling roster, it's difficult getting the time to yeah. write. Um, but keeping the ideas going is something that's important. And I, I, I have, I've come to the, well, I, I initially I was going to do this Jono series as to being five novels, but I had, I've cut one down because um, it was going to be um, how ill prepared the ambulance service was for a pandemic. Um, but <laughs> I think yeah. uh, politically, I probably shouldn't write that one right at the moment. Yeah. Maybe in a few years down the time. Down the, yeah, five, down, five, five to ten years. Yeah, five that, to ten years, that, it that's... might be something I could write. Um, but um, so I had to shorten it down to four. Um, and I'm writing the fourth one, which is called Show Cause, which has obvious implications from the title of what might be happening to poor old Jono. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, after that, I might, I, there are some ideas to, there's a character in the books uh, called Frank Giallo, who's known as G, who's a detective. 
and I've got a few ideas for writing a, a spin-off with him as a, a Brisbane detective uh, that that uh, I could I could move on to. And I've started working some ideas up for that. Uh, but my main thing is I, I will, um, so I'll keep certain things. If it's anything to do with paramedics, if it's anything that's a spin-off from, from the Harry Colfer books, I'll keep the Harry Colfer name and write it under that but yeah. my but where i'd like to go and where i uh my sort of preferences for writing is to go into so do science fiction which is more like uh, you know close fiction and things like that yeah. there is a there's one that i've actually started writing i've got quite a way into it but um there's a uh, ray bradbury's uh, fahrenheit 451 um which is a story of uh, i think it was written in the 60s about uh um Fireman, it's a, a dystopian yeah. future where firemen actually burn books, and Fahrenheit four five one is the temperature that paper burns, and it's sort oh. of a it's it's this whole sort of like um, you know the the firemen always smell of kerosene because that's what they use to burn, and it, you know if you mm. if you are found to have books in your house, then you either give them up and or you will be burnt with the books in the wow. house. It's wow. it's pretty, and it, yeah. there's a lot of things from it, you know that. There's the scenes where the people spend all of their time with their family on screens. They have these screens on the walls in their in their rooms, and they interact through the screens. And this is written in the '60s, you know. It's and it's wow. literally the internet and and reality <laughs> TV, and yeah. you know, it's and you you go through any anyway. Um, my idea is to have a book called Fahrenheit 1500 or 1600. Uh, yeah, 1600 yeah. Fahrenheit 1600, which is the temperature the bodies burn. And the oh. <laughs> and the paramedics are actually going out because of the population explosion and too many people. The paramedics are going out to euthanize people, and oh. uh, that's their role. And they actually wow. use the bodies to, to fuel their ambulances. Yeah, there's all this very twisted, yeah. very very dark humor yeah. involved. But I'd like to get into science fiction and yeah. um, and then and out of the short stories, um, I did get two wins from a. Um, uh, from the short stories for for a, a, a competition, which is the which is actually one of the Kennedy Awards, which is for journalism, and it's called the SD Harvey Short Crime Story Award. And wow. I won twenty one, twenty two, and I got the uh, not. I sort of heard on the grapevine that Harry Colfer could they couldn't possibly um, uh, award three years in a row the same <laughs> author. <laughs> So uh, I then right, right, okay. <laughs> so I submitted on. one under my own name, PG Davis, <laughs> and um, uh, submitted which was a, a, a near science fiction one with a detective turning up, and there was an AI in the house, uh, and um, yeah. So I and uh, and then won that one, which is quite nice. So uh, I have yeah. actually run three in a row, even if they're different author names. <laughs> you, you, should, you should have just pointed them to to like you know. Uh, Messi, you know, he's won eight Ballon d'Ors, you know, and uh, that actor, yeah. um, Daniel Day-Lewis has won four Oscars. I mean, come on. Yes, you know? yes. Come but on. when you when you get a, when you get win that they won't, yes. <laughs> you know, you go, oh, I'll change my name. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> That's easy done. That's like, you know, you put the beard on, hello, it's not me. You know? <laughs> I, had to, I, had to, I had to submit another photograph, so I had to sort of yeah. like do it with like dark lighting and sort of like yeah. put a hat on and glasses and make myself look a lot different from what I, just, from the photograph talk, previously. Talk. Talk to Jack Roney's uh, photograph. He's an awesome on his website. Yeah, he keeps and, changing and, and it, doesn't he? <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't look like him 
<laughs> like to- totally, like you know what I mean. It's, it's sort of sort of a bit like him, but you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looks like him in the shadows. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, before we let you go, um, tell us, tell tell us, tell us where we can. You know, well, buy, bas- buy your books and follow basically, you. Basically, uh, they are available on on Amazon and um, iBooks or whatever it's called now. Um, however, anyone in Australia, please buy them from my website, which is www.harrycolfer.com. It's relatively easy to remember. It's just my name. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. C-O-L-F-E-R is Colfer. Yeah. Um, if you want to know where that came from, both my grandfathers were Harry. And my grandmother's maiden name was Colfer. And when I typed that in, um, the domain name was available. So I cool, I'll have that one. <laughs> so and it's awesome. certainly yeah. certainly better than than um Phil Davis, which is pretty boring to be quite honest as an author name. Um but yes, um so please go to my website, order from there. And um that's that's where you know and, and the other thing that I would always ask, if you like a certain author if you read a book and really enjoy it get onto goodreads and just do a short one sentence review please because that's sort of what um gets other people interested in the books um, 100% anyway well thank you so much for coming on we'll have to get you back on again especially uh you know about your your Fahrenheit book cuz i yeah, think I'd love to Ryan will join. We'll make sure Ryan joins us next time because that's that's right up his alley. Yeah, I, yeah. I can hear him now going, "Oh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, we, and we'd be talking for another hour and a half, you know." <laughs> but, Excellent. Thank you, thank you for coming on, Harry. And um, thank listeners. you. I look forward to the next one. <laughs> and if, hey, guys, if you are an author and you want to come on, if you're a filmmaker, you want to come on. If you're just some random guy that has stories to tell, uh, send us an email to the true and the fictional at gmail dot com. Uh, follow us on instagram stories underscore podcast we're on facebook as well and um thanks for listening and we will catch you next time